0: guys who got in my life and called me out
1: of where I was to call me up to something that God had for me. And and it changed my life.
2: It's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marked by dust and sweat and blood. Welcome to the Men in the Arena podcast, where we interview specialists in the realm of manhood,
0: Your host for today's show. Guys, I'm really excited about today's guest. This guy uh, I've shared numerous times the impact that Promise Keepers has had on my life and this guy is the president of Promise Keepers Canada, aka Impactus. This is a wild episode, guys. Uh, you are going to love this episode. I'm I'm talking to you for a point of we've already done the interview. And this, you are going to love this episode, guys. But before we get into the, the episode, I want to go through our man law today. So our man laws, again, guys, they're supplied by you. You are the heroes of this ministry. And so we get these man laws. We want to throw them out there. We want to say thank you. If you hit us up at info at we will send you some swag for letting us use your man law. This man law came from Instagram, Heritage Woodwork USA. And he said this, Dale, you're going to be angry. He said, any dog under 30 pounds is a cat. <laughs> he can, He continues, if it is the size of a cat and acts like a cat, it is a cat, even if it's genetically a dog. In other words, a chihuahua is a cat. A Pomeranian is a cat. A French bulldog is an expensive cat. A pug is a cat. A Shih Tzu is a cat. A Yorkshire Terrier. Guess what? It's a cat. (laughs) I could not agree more. I just think that is so funny. Hey, hit us. Heritage Wood Work USA. Hit us up for that hilarious man law. (laughs) We want to say thank you. Hey, guys, I want to tell you in April, we're going to do an Ask Me Anything series. So if you just write in to info at menintherina.org and just ask a question, uh, uh, anything to do with manhood or becoming your best version, I would love to tackle that in an entire podcast episode. Again, if we use yours, we will give you full credit. The best way to get a hold of us is probably info at even though you can hit us up through social media, but the, the email is really the easiest, most direct. And, guys, I want to tell you about a hero story this week. This hero story is from a friend named Mark. Uh, and, and as you guys know, we are a 501c3. We are a crowdfunded ministry and most of our support actually comes from guys like you who are supporting the ministry on a weekly basis. So Mark is one of those guys. I reach out to our supporters. I call them our champions. I reach out to our champions four to five times a year consistently, either through notes or a phone call, but I do that consistently. So I reached out to Mark. He's a, one of our newer champions, and we talked on the phone for about a half an hour, and he told me a story that I thought, what a phenomenal hero story. I had done a podcast several years ago now, probably two years ago, called Your Ugly Wife. And I talked about how a man marries his beautiful wife, and over time, if he doesn't treat her right, she gets haggard looking, figuratively frumpy, her eyes are worn out, and she becomes this ugly woman instead of the beautiful woman he he married. Well, Mark listened to this episode and was so deeply moved by it, he realized that he his wife was living in a hostile environment, in a community that did not agree with their, their view of Christianity, their moral view, a lot of their views. He actually uh, picked up his wife and family, and they moved to the Midwest, and he said, man, it changed my love life. It changed my marriage. My frumpy, ugly wife is now a gorgeous, beautiful wife who uh, wants me And you can fill in the blanks. And man, what a hero story that this guy was willing to pick up his entire family and move to put his wife in an environment where she can thrive. So Mark, you are a hero, man. Hit me up. You know who you are. Info at (laughs) menandarena.org. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. I'm really excited to bring on our guest today. My new friend, Dean Brenton. Dean is 54 years old. He's been married to his beautiful wife, Kelly, for the last 29 years. Uh, he is the president of Impactus Promise Keepers Canada. Dean has been an active part of denominational, national parachurch committees, initiatives, and events, as well as international and local missions projects. Uh, you heard more about Dean uh, in the introduction of the show, and why I'm so excited to get him on the show. But without messing around anymore, I just want to bring Dean on. Dean, how you doing, man? Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks for the invitation. Great to be with you again, kind of reciprocating uh, the conversation we had just a few weeks ago.
0: Yeah, I was I was on your podcast, and now you're That's on right. my podcast. That's <laughs> kind of how podcasters do do life together. So, you know, I'm a huge fan of Promise Keepers. If you don't remember, Dean, you know, my life was dramatically changed at a 1995 Promise Keepers event in LA Coliseum, and it literally changed my entire marriage. And so I'm really excited to have you on, to hear your heart for men, to hear what you're doing in ministry. But before we do that, can you just take about five minutes and tell our listeners a little bit more about you, what you enjoy, hobbies, life, just anything that you think is pertinent for this conversation?
1: Yeah, thanks. Um, I'm a Canadian boy, grew up in the east, east coast of Newfoundland, uh, or I'm Canada in Newfoundland. That's my uh, home province. And currently uh, coming to you today from Burlington, Ontario, just outside of Toronto, but I grew up in a Christian family, uh, went to church most of my life, probably went to church before I was even born, um, and uh, just grew up in that kind of environment, um, but realized I needed faith in Jesus as a teenager mm-hmm. and uh, had a real encounter with Him, and uh, and just started serving Him uh, as best I could as a teenager, and then felt the call of God into full-time ministry, so went off to Bible college and got trained and then started in a pastoral ministry career uh for about 15 years then ended up in denominational leadership um and uh, so my my whole life has but really been wrapped up around uh leadership and pastoring and uh, ministry I was a youth pastor for about 15 years so uh, yeah, I just uh, it's kind of my my background, and most recently, uh, after the denominational role uh, during the pandemic, got the invitation to uh, serve in this capacity uh, last January, and so uh, been in this role as the president of Impactus Promise Keepers Canada for just over a year now, and uh, it's been great. So in terms of hobbies, a bit of a sports fan. Of course, we're Canadian, so we gotta love hockey. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah! Montreal Canadiens fan, although they're not doing very well right now. Uh, love baseball as well. A uh, bit of a techni- technology geek, as we talked about just a few minutes ago. Just like um, a bit of an Apple fan. I'm sorry if you're not, but um, we, we are. Also... We are. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, just love my. I have four girls. Uh, three of them are four of them are in university. Three of them are in another province. And uh, love my girls and my wife, and uh, we have, we have a a female dog as well. So most any day, I'm vastly, vastly (laughs) outnumbered, and 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 welcome your prayers. I'm it's like five to one at any given day in my home. Wow! But I've been blessed, and the girls and my wife are a gift
0: from the Lord to me. That is. So my wife has three sons. Whenever we see a, wall, we saw a gal, we were on a hike the other day and this gal's with her three sons. We're like, there's a special place in heaven for a mom of all sons. But I'll tell you what, there is a real special place in heaven for a man who raised four daughters and is married. That's five women plus a dog. Oh, brother, I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm bowing down right now, man. Thank that you. is yeah, impressive. So I,
1: I <laughs> there's a crown. There's a crown awaiting me somewhere.
0: <laughs> oh, you know it, buddy. You know it. You know it. Well, hey, you, you said something, and uh, I knew this going into the interview, but I'd really like to address this. So our guys uh, in America are used to promise keepers. There's kind of a resurgence going on. They they're doing their stadium events. I think they had I don't know, I don't know thousands, thousands in Texas this year. I noticed the name in Pactus. In front of promise keepers can you walk us through this brand change and and what it means
1: yeah i'd love to so we're a 25 year old ministry uh, promise keepers canada that that formed from our friends with promise keepers usa and some guys uh, back 25 years ago went to some of those big stadium conferences and were so impacted by the gospel and what god spoke to them they wanted to come back to canada and begin a ministry here and we're here today as a result of that. And mm. over the over the 25 years, uh, the ministry grew coast to coast. And in the last uh, three to four years, our our board of directors, our uh, our president at the time and the staff started to really discern what the next steps for the ministry were. And we really felt God was calling us to move not completely away from conferences but to be more online centric to be more discipling equipping for guys uh tools and resources that we could create and and do conferences as well to augment that and this was pre-pandemic so uh we started to make that shift and to look at a rebranding process because obviously if we're promise keepers canada to go outside of our borders doesn't make a lot of sense and so the the Lord really inspired us with this name, Impactus. Us. And Impactus simply means to press in. And of course, there's so many implications mm. of pressing in, to press into your relationship with Jesus, to press into your community or into your relationship with your spouse. And and so it really captured our hearts for what we believe God was calling us to as a ministry. And so we started that journey about three years ago, and uh, we're currently in a, a rebranding phase. we flipped the name from promise keepers canada impact us to impact us promise keepers canada later this year we will be fully impact us but we will still be connected to promise keepers and the the legacy and the history and that'll always be a part of what we do and some of our legacy resources and things like that so we have such a rich heritage we're not leaving that heritage we're just following a new path that god's called us to and interestingly enough all this transpired pre-pandemic so we're God's calling us into being an online-centric ministry, the world shuts down, and we go, okay, God, you set us up for this moment. Like We're ready to roll here. And so we just, we ramped up instead of ramping down. And we're really thankful for that, because if we were uh, extremely reliant on conferences, we would have been completely sidelined for two years. Instead, but instead of sidelined for two years, we've been on the playing field for two years, just going hard at what God's called us to do and trying to refine what we, what we do and who we are. So that's impact us. That's where we are. Uh, and we're starting to now move outside the borders of Canada into some other countries and connections. And just, uh, yeah, just excited to see where God's going to take it all.
0: You know, that's really interesting, Dean, because we did the same thing. We started moving about four years ago more into a virtual realm simply to grow our tribe. And then when the pandemic hit, everything exploded. We just found out in January, I don't know if I've told you this, but we were ranked in January number one Christian podcast for men on Spotify. Now, I'm not a Spotify guy because I'm an iPhone guy, but... (laughs) I mean that's pretty cool. So we're excited. So you guys that are Android users, thank you, <laughs> thank you. We sure appreciate that. So, so now I I did hear you say you slipped it in there a little bit that you are actually moving away from the name Promise Keepers altogether. And I, I and I just want to say this, you know, the Promise Keepers here in America, we're we I'm very connected to these guys, and I I love the organization, but they're figuring it out right now they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're figuring out what's their role going to be. And, and so w- what is your role going to be now? You're doing virtual stuff, but your desire is more discipleship. So you said that you're doing conferences. What do those conferences look like now? Are they online?
1: Yeah, great question. And we will move, uh, I would say the name Promise Keepers Candle will just be much less prominent than it's been in the past. And Impactus will be really the name that will and the brand that we will carry, just because it it it's broad enough to capture where we believe God's leading us as a ministry. And so um it does mean we're we're refining to be more online. So any of the events that we've done um, have been primarily online leadership training events and some virtual conferences. We're actually just uh, just left the meeting a few minutes ago, and we're we're getting ready for a conference in April um, later this uh, in, in just a couple months. And uh, and so we've shifted into that, but we will go back to in person conferences in select cities around the the country and and wherever we have opportunity to do that. But they will look different, and we'll we'll use leverage technology to be more hybrid to broadcast them. Uh, we've learned a lot in these uh, pandemic months uh, that will, I think, will be a great asset to us. We also have a lot of uh, on-the-ground networks where we do like local church workshops and training, and so we have th- those networks from coast to coast in Canada, and uh, and and so we do have smaller events that happen that we will continue to strengthen because as as much as we you know believe God's going to you know, make us bigger, we know we need to get smaller and, and impact the guys at the local church level. We we say we, we've we got a direct to, to men approach and a direct to the local church approach. And that's really the two lane highway that we're driving. And so we, we want to have a, a really a balanced approach when it comes to that. So yeah, conferences will still happen. They'll look a little different and we'll leverage more online, um, uh, ministry through that as well.
0: So when you say conference, when I think of a Promise Keepers conference, I'm thinking of, you know, 40,000 guys in Dallas, 20,000, 60,000. What does a conference look like for you as far as numbers?
1: Yeah, so we do, uh, when we did our last in-person conferences, we had a a run of seven cities in Canada. Our largest one is in Toronto. We had about 2,000 guys who show up to that one at a a church here in, in Toronto, uh, then we do one in Winnipeg, Edmonton, Regina, Ottawa, uh, some other cities as well, and uh, so they they vary in sizes. The largest, the flagship one, is the Toronto conference. That one uh, at its peak was about four thousand guys. Uh, so obviously, you know, a smaller audience than our friends in the in the U.S. have, uh, have in those big stadium events, um, and. and I should say as well, through this whole Impactus journey, we've been in dialogue with our friends because we've got a great relationship with them, and we've walked them through what we're doing, and and uh, certainly they they extended their blessing to us as well, and, and we'll stay connected to them. But yeah, so our conferences very much look like um, a Promise Keepers USA kind of event, worship, keynote speakers, workshop, breakout sessions, uh, opportunities to give, give back to the community. Uh, and and we're we're rethinking, and uh, now that we're moving toward more in-person events, what that should look like and how we can broaden that audience beyond just the goals that gather in a room now as well. But yeah, be a, be a typical... For uh, or comparative would be, you know, the Promise Keepers USA conferences would be similar, just a smaller scope.
0: Yeah, that I was familiar with that with Promise Keepers that you did more church events than stadium events. I knew that you that was kind of your model. And so that's why yeah. I was asking. And so that's really good. You know, um, I want to go back a little bit here and, and divert a little bit. You had you had shared your story earlier on and it sounds like you gave your life to Jesus when you were young and it sounds like you i mean i know you're a sinner because i'm i'm looking at a guy in the mirror there but <laughs> it sounds like you really didn't stray far from Jesus at all your entire life is that is that true
1: that would be very accurate um i grew up in a i'd say fairly sheltered uh christian environment um and and actually wrestled with that fact like you know i don't have much of a testimony you know god didn't save me from a life of crime or drugs or but i realized that uh in my middle teen years that uh, i was a sinner no different from anyone else and i needed the grace of jesus to redeem me and to set me on a path of uh redemption and and sanctification and uh and so yeah it's it, i very much was in a, a very um very safe, I guess, very, uh, godly environment. And that just extended right into, uh, my pastoral years and, and leadership years. Um, and, and there were, there were times I think I look back in that and kind of like, yeah, I don't have that testimony, but I I learned that, you know what God's hand of protection to protect me from all the things that were going on around because there were lots going on around me, but somehow he kept me on a very straight narrow path and I'm really grateful, and I've, I've learned to appreciate it, not to, not to despise it, but to say, thank you, Jesus. You kept me close to your heart through those years and prepared me through all those years for whatever you wanted to do. Now, a big part of my story is I'm a classic introvert, so the very fact that I'm on this podcast with you today is nothing short of a miracle. And I, you know, we used to run huge, huge youth conferences in Eastern Canada and things like that. And I'd be on stages of 3000 kids. We, we did conferences over in Africa and 10,000 people. And it's the funniest thing in the world that God would take the likes of me and use me in these kinds of platforms. And now to be the president of, of impact as promise keepers Canada. Like it's boom, like blow my mind. I say it because if he can do it for me, he can do it for any guy out there. He can use any mm-hmm. guy out there, no matter how messed up you are, or no matter how straight and narrow you've been, he can take you and use your life for his glory if you just surrender to him. And like that's my story.
0: Well, so this is interesting. So I was a youth pastor for almost a quarter century, and I would hear the same thing from kids. They almost want to go out and have a rum spucka. you know, they want to go out and have their is it rum Rumspringa. Rum Rumspringa. They want to go out and do their 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 Amish it's a it's a tradition that the Amish have where the kids go for a year and go it's called uh, I think going wild or living wild and okay. then they come back or they don't. but you know these I get these students that they feel like they want to go have their you know sowing wild oats type of moments. they have their testimony. And I think the greatest testimony is the guy who never wavered, hmm. who, who never strayed who realized he's a sinner, yet for whatever reason, he's been faithful in Jesus. And I, I think this is really important for guys to understand, which is which is really when you said it, it really struck a chord with me, is that God wants men to walk in freedom. And when we go out and have our stupid years and sow our wild oats or do our rum springa or whatever they call that, it, it really has the potential— to lead to bondage and move us mm. away from freedom. What what are your thoughts about that, Dean? Oh,
1: that's, yeah, that's profound. Because we equate freedom with the ability to do whatever we want, whenever we w- want, and with whoever we want, when freedom ultimate freedom is found in obedience and surrender to Christ because then we're free to become everything that he has created us to be and to be in a place to become everything he wants us to become and use us for his glory. And so, yeah, I mean, I've had so many friends who've just kind of sowed their wild oats as it were and just got their lives so messed up and, and God's redeemed them, but there's something so powerful and, and my background as well. Like I spent so many years in youth ministry and, 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 and saw so many young people just go down those crazy paths and you try to pull them back. and but yet, there is something so powerful about the surrendered life of guys who just guys and girls who just just live their life faithfully for Jesus and to see how God takes that and uses it. and And it's not that God can't redeem messes and and take a mess and turn it into a message, as we say. But there's something really powerful about you know the surrendered life that just doesn't waver that's like i've set my sights on following jesus and i will not deviate from that path and and i haven't gotten that perfectly don't get me wrong like i've messed up many times but i i tell you what god has kept me close to his heart and uh and he has kept me on a a path that is just unbelievable and uh yes i'm grateful
0: well, we did confirm it is rum springa. Rum Springer. So just for, Good to for know. our listeners. So, know. but you know, it's really interesting. You know, I had a young man ask me one time, you know, I'm a youth in youth ministry, you get all sorts of questions, and he said, What's your number? I said, Well, what are you talking about? He goes, Well, how many women have you been with? And I just said, This right, since I've been a believer in Jesus, one, and that's all that matters, and everything else behind me I'm ashamed of. And this is what so I'll be really honest with you, Dean. I The first 23 years of my life, I was not a believer. I did not live for Jesus. And I am 56 years old now, and I'm pretty convinced. In fact, I was just telling this to a group of guys last night. If I did not have covenant eyes on my phone, I would be a major problem to myself because of all of the stuff that happened back then that, that has led me to battle demons now. Does that make sense? You know, the objectification of women, lust, and these types of things. And I just think, you know, as, as our guys are listening who are in their 20s, some are in their teens, you know, we tend to celebrate our sin. And when we share our testimony, we like to dive into the dirty, dark stuff. And that's not worth celebrating. Mm-hmm. You know, it's how, how how do you help guys? Because I know I, I read your bio and I kind of know your background. You know when guys come to you with this baggage and this bondage and they're looking for freedom, what are some things that you offer to them as a man?
1: Yeah, I I'll, I'll boil it down to uh one word that is much bigger than one word, but it's discipleship. It's uh, mm. it's calling guys to a disciplined life of following Jesus, like a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And if I can move a guy to start asking those questions, that am I truly a follower? Am I truly devoted? Am I fully devoted? And then begin them on a path of discipline, of of yeah, daily in the word, in prayer, developing my spiritual character. Um, I I really believe that is the great greatest antidote to sin and corruption and and just the things that pull us away from a relationship with Jesus. And and I've seen People, So many people who started on that kind of discipleship journey, and we're so focused on that here, which is one of the reasons why I love what I do. Um, I I think it's one of the things that unleashes the potential of guys and releases them from the bondage that they find themselves in. Now, sometimes that comes through intense prayer and intense counseling and, uh, you know, intense mentoring. All those things are essential depending on what you're going through. But at the core of it, I do think it's hearing the master's voice going, come and follow me, and then I'll make you a fisher of men. And if we hear the voice, then we really need to, need to learn to become a, a true follower. And following is not just following what I want to do. It's following what he's asked me to do. And there's a huge difference because I could leave myself anywhere and it wouldn't be very productive. But if I follow him and, uh, and discipline my life around it uh, – I, yeah, it's a game changer for me. So discipleship is, you know, one word, but it covers a lifetime, and I think it's it's the essential piece.
0: I'm so glad I have you on the show today, man. <laughs> it's just so easy to talk to you, and you've got a brilliant mind, so you you can articulate your thoughts very clearly, which is exciting for me. So you said discipleship. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on the T for you right now. Are you ready? I'm ready. Because I, I know this is the heart of impact as Promise Keepers Canada. So you said discipleship, but then you continued and you described parts of s- discipleship as pr- you know intense prayer, counseling, and men- intense mentoring. And all those things to me have one thing in common, and that thing is another dude. Right? Because you're not going to get mentored by a beautiful secretary or whatever. I hope not. You're getting intense prayer from another guy. So Mm -hmm. talk to me about this locking arms relationship with other men and why it is so critical to true discipleship.
1: Well, I can relate my own story to that. I would not be here were it not for youth pastors and other male leaders in my life who poured into me. Some of that started with my grandfather, who was a a pioneer pastor or church planter, as we call it. Uh, My dad, who was a godly man. Who uh, you know I I looked up to and and then I had teachers and but you know I can I particularly point pinpoint some key youth pastors guys who got in my life and called me out of where I was to call me up to something that God had for me and and it changed my life I mean I was the kid in youth ministry who leave me alone i'll be quiet in the corner don't ever point me out and i had i had youth pastors guys who said there's more in you than what you believe and i'm going to call that up out of you and and i'm here today because of that and so the the importance of discipleship like discipleship at its core is apprenticeship that's what jesus called his disciples into to follow him and to to live do life together and there's nothing that can replace a guy to guy kind of mentoring uh accountability, friendship that you can, you can ask the hard questions. You can hold each other accountable to the things that are going on in your life. And you also have the the support system that when you're going through the heavy stuff of life that, Hey, when all else fails, I know that dude's got my back when all else fails, I know who I can go to. And, and so there's no, there's no diminishing or underestimating the potential and power of having guys in your life who are godly men who you can look up to and and just who could call things out of you and call you into what god has has called you to be right so yeah i i mean that's my life and i wouldn't be here if it were not for godly guys who did that and I, i've had the privilege of doing that as a youth pastor and and now i get this crazy weird platform of calling out guys across canada and beyond to say follow jesus right like it's just amazing
0: Well, I love what you said. You know, guys that would call me out for wrong behavior, guys that would, guys that you said this, that men who see more in you than what you believe. So, having a guy in my life who says to me, there's more to you than you think. So, he calls me out, he calls me up. And then I love what Jesus did with the three, the three disciples, Peter, uh, James and John, he called them into places that he that others weren't allowed. And so we need that guy in our life to call us up, out, and in. And I think that's just so critical. You know, okay, so Dean, people often ask me, you know, what do you think the biggest sin is of men? What do you think the biggest struggle for men is the the uh, no-brainer answers, the without thought answers, the, you know, you know, laissez faire, oh, pornography, oh, this and that. But I think it's something much deeper. I think there's something to this loneliness, this, um, this lack of camaraderie that leads to despair, but men seem to resist it. They seem to resist this, this life-giving opportunity to lock arms with other men. Can you offer some insight as to, we have got guys listening right now, right now, one out of 18 men in America are not involved in any group. One out of eight men in the church, that's 12 out of 100. Only 12 out of 100 are involved in a church, a small group. So, so if this is so life-giving, which I wholeheartedly agree with you, why are guys so resistant?
1: That's a great question. I think guys are often resistant because we equate – things like uh, accountability or mentoring or having someone who can speak into me as weakness we feel man, like oh. hey i've got i got to have it all together or i need to be the man and in in fact there's nothing more more strong or there's no no more strength that a guy can have than to say i need help that yes. takes courage it takes it takes strength it takes humility to be able to say, I don't have it all together. I need the support of my brothers, and together we can do this. But we we live under this, I'm a self-made man. I, I can do this on my own. And it's it's a lie from the pit. Like, God created us for community. He created us to be in relationship with one another. And Jesus calls 12 guys, and he shapes them and transforms the world through that. And and somehow, I think sometimes we, we think, well, we don't have to do that. No, no, we need each other. We need we need other voices in our life. Like there's so many echo chambers today that we can we can listen to social media or the latest thing on on television or at the news and we get in our echo chamber. We need guys who can challenge our thinking and call us into spaces that are more godly, that are places where God can speak to us and can challenge us to have a a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus, and even when I say that, like some guys got a deep, intimate, like, "Oh, that's weird." No, no, it's like that strength that I can say, "No, my my relationship with Jesus is rock solid. Come hell or high water, it doesn't matter. I I serve Him, and He's at the center of my life, and I need other guys to help me on this journey to do it." And so, yeah, I, I just I've needed it in my own life, and uh, and I, I know the temptation in my own life is like. I can do this on my own and and I don't need a small group around me but I tell you what I've seen the freedom that comes and I know how it's accelerated my own spiritual growth and my own my own times when I've been uh you know struggling and and I've got guys I can lean on and it just it's a mm. game changer and guys it's it's not weakness it's strength
0: you know it's more than a game changer it's a gift it's a gift to have a it, guy absolutely. like that in your life is a gift you know guys I want to talk to you about this I want to say this to you guys listen listen it's okay for you to say to another man you know I'm struggling you know I'm lonely you know I have questions you know I'm in bondage these are I, I love what you said Dean because these are signs of strength and and I think this is what guys don't understand they say well if I say these things it's a sign of weakness well no it's not a sign of weakness it's a sign of strength because when a man comes to me and says he's struggling and he wants freedom, I see a man who's pursuing his best version, and he's not willing to settle for anything less than his best version. And it really is a gift to be around that guy, and to be the guy that can help that guy is a gift. I, I, I'm i just confused a little bit here, Dean. I don't know how to motivate our listeners you know, we have thousands of guys listening and I know that, you know, I know that 88% of these guys aren't involved in a group. So I'm struggling with this. How do I get these guys to plug in to impact groups or their church, small group or, or anything? This is my, re- this is my wrestling. If, can you sense the, the, the dilemma here?
1: <laughs> yeah. And that's a common <laughs> dilemma. That's not uh, isolated to you, my friend. <laughs>
0: Well, and it's funny because I look at, you know, I look at uh the 12 disciples, right? I've been really involved really interested in and in, by this uh new series out called The Chosen. We've had uh several of their staff on our show and you know, you look at Matthew, okay, he was probably exceptional with numbers. You look at Simon the Zealot, you know, he was probably kind of gnarly in his own way. But then you start looking at these other guys, you're like, really they're just they're just uh Working men, like they're just working guys. They're just guys out there trying to survive. And Jesus turned these guys into extraordinary guys. And I think it was just that, hey, come do life with me. Do you have any thoughts about this?
1: Yeah, it's so true. Uh, You know, it's we sometimes look at, I think, the disciples as if they were some elite spiritual force. And the rally is they they were quite the ragtag army of guys just messed up for the most part. And it gives me lots of hope, and it should give every guy out there lots of hope that God can use you where you are, no matter what's gone on. But uh, you know, I think there's a real, a, a real uh, indifference or apathy right now in in the world in general, but in the church and in guys' lives. That, well, you know, I've gotten along okay, and I'm okay with watching my you know church on Sunday morning for a few you know a few minutes. And but if we just if we get indifferent and get apathetic to what God really wants us to do, we'll miss out on the opportunity. And, and God can do so much more. And, and for, you know, for guys who are listening and, and thinking, Oh yeah, like, I don't know if I want to do it. Like, try it, just go and try it. Like find a group, get it. If it's online or in person at your local church and test it out or, You know, if you're an older uh, gentleman or you've been on this faith journey for a while, like find a younger guy and pour into them. Like there's Mm -hmm. something powerful that can happen. And so, yeah, it's a common issue. And uh, one of the reasons why we're putting a whole emphasis on a new small group training uh, program to be released later this year, because we really believe in the power of community to shape character, and at homes and communities. And so we're calling guys to say you need to be in a small group. You need to have a group around you because they'll call you up into everything God has created you to be. And uh yeah, so I, I just think there it's so important and yet often so resistant uh for so many people and it needs to change. And uh it, you know in, in fact I, I think some of the hope of the future of the church as a, as a church struggles post pandemic and whatever that looks like. And, you know, the the Western church has been in decline for so many years. Some of the hope that I have is a resurgence of groups, like we're talking about, like groups that meet together, pray together, worship together, you know, share the word together, do life together, support each other. That's the church. That's Mm. the biblical version of Ecclesia, you know, the called out ones who feel God calling them together so they can, Learn and grow together to go out and be a force to be reckoned with. So yeah, I don't know if that really answered your question, but the power of it and the importance of it is enormous.
0: Well, you and I have a uh, transitioned away from an interview and we're having this uh <laughs> iron sharpening iron iron man moment over a coffee in a coffee shop. So oh. I've already kind of said, Oh, the interview's over. We're just two two bros, uh spitball in here because we've got some problems that we, you and I need to solve here. And uh, you mentioned one of them is apathy and indifference, you know, and, and you know, cause you've already interviewed me on your show. That's, that's my second of five traits in my book, strong men, dangerous times, which is right there. And I believe that apathy is the greatest battle a man yeah. will ever fight. You know, there's a weird lie in the church that, that men believe. And, and the lie is that somehow being anonymous is is somehow connected to humility Hmm. like oh i don't want people to know and i just think i just kind of go okay guys how does that how does that relate to matthew 5 when jesus is saying you are salt you are light you don't put your light and put under a bucket you know if salted is not salty it's worthless it's thrown out and waste you know I, i i'm i'm wondering if 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 anonymity was not a sin why is if anonymity is okay, why is Jesus calling this behavior out and saying you're a light? And so I think it's time for the church to call men out, call them up and call them in and say, we want to put our men on display. It it seems like there's a prevailing message in our culture, at least in America, that is saying we don't want to put our men on display because these guys, guys are toxic and guys mm. are the cause of everything evil in the world. What, how would you respond to that?
1: Yeah, I respond first to say they're not completely wrong in in certain circumstances that uh, there's lots of bad examples of that, and uh, we don't have to look very far inside or outside of the church. There's lots of issues, and sadly, they get highlighted beyond the guys that live it every day, that are doing it, that are showing it, that are honest, humble, uh, loving their communities, loving their families and serving in their local churches. And there's thousands and thousands and thousands. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, like the scriptures say, I, I think there's more of those that are with us than those that are against us when it comes to that. But we know yeah. how media plays, and we know how how, how the, the the negative stories get spun. But yeah, I, I, there, there is so much, um, there's reality to it but there's to the an- 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 anonymity piece that you speak of I'll spit it out the um, <laughs> see I I was I was that guy I was like just yeah leave me alone I'll be in the corner don't you know I'll just live quietly over here and that's selfish because God created me to go and to make a difference to be salt and light to be uh, an influencer to be uh, an impactful person And I could choose to just do my thing and live my life quietly over my corner, but that robs the world of the gift I am to the world. And every guy out there is a gift to the world. And God has called us not to be—I love—I did a lot of study when it comes to the missional church, and I mean, the pattern of Scripture is always a centrifugal motion moving us out from the center out into the world and often in the in the church world we've gotten really good at bringing everybody into the center and and into ourselves and and the center ends up on being on us and the scriptural pattern from the people of Israel right on through the early church, God was always thrusting them out in a centrifugal motion to send them out into the world to make a difference. Mm. And that's just not corporate. That is personal for every one of us. God has us on here on this planet for a mission to be accomplished. And that mission is to be reconciled to him and to reconcile to the world and to be agents of reconciliation. And so we've got to to get out of our corners. And can you imagine, I mean, I just, uh, when I think about this, like it excites me because when I think about motivating an army of guys out there across Canada, around the world, like who feel that call and want to go out in their communities to make a difference. Oh my goodness, the potential of that, like, I would love to see toxic masculinity be a, a, a phrase that we don't ever hear anymore because there is so much positive momentum from guys who are living a different life and making a difference for Jesus. I think it's possible. I think that's, that's what God's called us to do.
0: Well, you talked about this centrifugal force of God sending, you know, Ecclesia, as you said earlier, means called out. And apostles means sent ones. So both are, you know, going out there. And, you know, I just believe with all my heart that when a man gets it, everyone wins. And you talked about your study of scripture. And I thought as soon as you said that, I thought, okay, I I like what you're saying here. But I want to add one thing that God almost, and we don't want to hear this. We don't want to hear this. We're going to be called misogynists. But God almost always, when God starts to do a radical kingdom work, in Scripture and in history, he almost always starts with men. Men seem to be God's starting point. It seems to be the place where God goes, says, if I'm going to impact the world, that one guy is going to impact way more. There's something about the way God has wired men that he's wired them to be change agents, yet we've allowed bondage and sin to come in and, and keep us in this little microcosm that we live in.
1: Yeah, that's, that's true. And, I mean, you look through the scriptural um, examples, you know, God often stirs a guy's heart and mm-hmm. calls them into something and and makes a huge impact on the world. Well, that's not to, to say by any stretch of the imagination God only uses guys, because I would not correct, be here for, if it was not for godly women who, who, and some of them in my own house. Uh, you know who who have shaped me to be who I am and God uses every God's got a plan for every person on the planet and loves every person on the planet. Um but yeah there there is a there is a role for guys there's an opportunity for guys and I tell you the pattern I've seen sadly inside of uh the church way too often is that guys step back and mm. and guys just sit back and and oftentimes if it was not for the ladies in our lives or ladies in our churches we'd be in real trouble in the church and god has opportunity i believe for guys to step up and just be all that they have been
0: called to be absolutely you know and i'm a huge fan of strong women and i'm i just tell women hey you do what god calls you to do and i will not argue that at all my focus is men but you know it's really interesting you talked about the role of godly women in your life. Well, when you were sharing your story and I realized, wow, this guy's been unwavering in his faith. My next thought was, I bet he has a dad who was engaged in his spiritual journey. Tell me about your dad, the role he played, and then the role that dads who are listening play in the lives of their children.
1: Yeah, good question. Interestingly enough, so my grandfather was a pastor and, and I still look at, look back he passed away a number of years ago, but he's still one of my heroes in the faith. Cause I just, he was, he was the real deal. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so I grew up with, in the shadow of my grandfather, my dad was, was, a a, building contractor by trade and, uh, grew up in that hardworking environment, but he too, like me. And I, so I know where I got it, but he, very quiet, very reserved, uh, not very uh outspoken, but consistent. Boy, mm. was he consistent. He did not miss a Sunday service. In fact, I remember going to from my first prayer meeting at church with my dad. And and I remember him taking me, you know, to different uh different church events and if anything, he just simply modeled for me a stable, steady, consistent, godly presence in my life. And I wanted that. And he he wasn't preaching at me all the time. But I, I tell you what, I knew he, he was praying for me. I knew he loved me. I knew he was providing for me. And I knew he would be there consistently no matter what. And he provided for a family. We weren't wealthy by any stretch of the imagination. But boy, did they, my parents provide a great home environment. And so, for guys out there listening, yeah, even even if you you feel like yeah, like I'm I'm not the guy to step up and and, and say things, and oh, that's okay. Like God can use you just. Be consistent, model in front of your kids, like what it means to, to be committed to your local church, to be in the word. Like I would see my dad every day. This is, this is something sometimes I forget, but every day, every morning, my dad would open up his Bible and he would always have a journal. In fact, it's Christmas time. I would often give him a blank journal because I knew he'd use them so much and he'd always be journaling things that God was saying to him and, and little insights from mm. the word that thing those things never left me and they shape me. In fact, in the last few years, I've really picked up the practice of journaling and I know where I got it from. It was from my quiet, consistent, faithful dad who who modeled yeah. for me Christ-likeness and set me on a great path to have opportunity to be successful as God called me into what he was calling me into.
0: There's so much power. These are all my journals right here. I've got like 30 And I currently journal every day. I'm a big fan of journaling, not a diary, a journal. (laughs) I'm a big fan of that anyway. But what I'm saying is this, is that guys, there's tremendous power. Now you're raising four daughters. What is the power that you have as a father? Uh, What are some things that you could pass on to our guys who are raising kids right now? Maybe they're, they're questioning their power. What would you say to those guys?
1: Wow! I wish I could say I got it. I've gotten it right every day, every, every year. <laughs> Boy, that would be not true. Uh, no, we've we've got four wonderful girls who have been so gracious. And ministry. I mean, you know, the ministry world. It's it's uh, hectic. It's busy. It's sometimes very uh, chaotic, and and sometimes. Uh, n- even just the moving, I mean, we moved multiple times in ministry, and and I'm really grateful. One of the things we did as, as a, a, a couple, my wife Kelly and I, like we would take our girls with us along on the journey of faith, you know, and so we would involve them in our youth ministry, and we would take them on youth retreats, and they'd be involved in local churches, they'd volunteer. You know, I think participating with your kids in opportunities like that is really important, Creating a stable like home environment as well that, you know, my wife and I model for them. And, and I, you know, there are times that I knew, I know I've blown this so many times, but I know the difference when, when our relationship is working well and we've been, you know, tight as a couple, it makes a difference in the home. And I I think modeling for our kids what it means to have a loving, committed relationship is so essential. How how it shapes their thinking about their relationships. And for for a a dad of four girls, and I've got to constantly remind myself like the importance of the affirmation of a dad for his daughters, like they're my princesses, right? Absolutely. Don't cross my girls, like you're gonna be in trouble. Like like they're my princesses and, and I need to constantly affirm them in who they are and remind them how beautiful they are and how much I value them and how, how much God has in store for them because the world will tell them many other narratives. That's right. They, they need to hear the voice of their father and their heavenly father through my voice saying how much they are worth, how much they are valued and how much potential they have. And and it's not just for girls, but, uh, you know, and I can't speak a whole lot to raising guys, actually zero, but <laughs> I would say the voice of a dad into the lives of their kids, like live it, speak it, pray it, do it in front of them. Be in front of them what you want them to be. And, uh, yeah, I, again, I haven't gotten it right all the time, but God's been really, really good. And uh, we've got a great family. And I believe God, no matter, even for guys, that maybe, and I just, I don't know why I'm thinking this or want to say this, but no doubt there's a lot of guys right now listening, and family life is not ideal. Relationship with mm-hmm. their spouse is probably not the best. Kids are probably estranged you know what? God can restore those things. Absolutely. And we need to own it. We need to own it and say, and not feel guilty. I'm not, don't hear me say feel guilty, but own it and begin to make those changes. And for the kid out there who hasn't heard us say, Hey, Hey son, Hey daughter, I love you. Say it today for the wife who you haven't like hugged, you know, in a week, do it in front of your kids. Like the little things matter. Like I am so convinced of the scripture that says, you know, if you're faithful in the little things, God will use you and give you opportunity in the greater things. And that's not just for ministry or for, you know, preaching or that is for you as a dad. That is for you as a husband. Be faithful in the little opportunities that you have every day to show appreciation and care and, and just love and model it. And, and I just think God will bless you and, and he can transform your home as a result.
0: Well, you said something real powerful about your dad and about your parenting and it's consistency and honestly, consistency, if we're really honest, it's boring. It's boring to tell your wife, you love her every day. It's boring to tell your daughters four times, you know, four times, you know, four of them every day. You're a beautiful princess. You're worthy to be pursued. It's boring to tell your kids every day, your sons, you've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. You know, those things can become boring. It's boring when you're there at every sporting event or every extracurricular activity, but that's consistency. There's no flash in it. And so guys, I want to put our boots on the ground. I want to ask you to do something today. I want to ask you to identify again, take responsibility. This isn't about guilt or shame. That's not a biblical principle, but it is, it is about taking responsibility and just look at your life. Is there an area where you as a man, you have lacked consistency and it has cost you your best version, and you know that you need to get habitual with this thing, whatever it is for you. I want you to pursue it doggedly to where it becomes routine in your life, guys. We need to get consistent. Man, we just need to get consistent. Well, Dean, hey, I I, I love this interview. Uh, man, it's just so fun to always talk to you both times. but but my question so how can these guys get a hold of uh impactus and your resources even if they're you know we're down here in america we're like man i really resonate with this guy how do our guys connect with you
1: yeah thanks for the opportunity jim impactus.org you can pretty much find anything you need about what we're doing and where we're going our events and resources that we have new resources that are coming up you can find us on the socials at Impact Us Men, at most of those, the, that handle and most of the social media uh, things. And uh, yeah, just, I mean, be happy even if a guy wants to reach out to us directly, we'd be happy. Uh, the, our emails and contact are all on the website. We'd just love to engage with it. And if there's anything we have that anybody wants, a local church or a local men's ministry, it's all yours. I mean, we're just here to serve and uh, we're just, uh, we're privileged to be in this position and uh, look forward to even more conversations with you.
0: Absolutely. It's always great to be around kingdom-minded guys. And I'm waiting for that book to come out Your first, so I can get you on my podcast. So you got any book ideas in the making there? Or, I, with a brain like a, yours, there's got to be a book in there.
1: I've got a million ideas and uh, okay. getting it down to one is a problem.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, let me know if I can help you. I'm great at throwing a million awesome. ideas into one. I so love to partner with you, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Dean. Look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Thanks, Jim, for the opportunity. God bless.
0: Yep. Hey guys, head on over to men arena.org. Grab a, your free copy of my book. Tell them what great fathers tell their sons and daughters. And while you're there, sign up to join one of our many virtual teams by clicking the button that says join our program. Until next time, feel the wet sand on the arena floor. Hear the deafening roar of the crowd. Taste the sweetness of victory. Smell the stench of battle. Get in the game, get dirty, grind it
2: out, and be a man.